Hey everybody, Pastor Dan here. January is Stewardship Month at Brockport First Baptist. Whether you're a long-term member of our church or someone who's new, we'd ask that you consider supporting the work we do financially. You can give a one-time donation and set up automatic giving through our website, brockportfirstbaptist.org give. And if you're someone who already supports us financially, we'd love for you to turn in a pledge card to help us plan and budget for the year ahead. Pledge cards are being mailed out in mid-January, and they are due back at church by the end of the month. Thank you so much for your support. Enjoy this week's recording.
seated. Good morning. Good morning. So nice to see you all today. I am Elisha. I'm the associate pastor here. If you are new with us, we just ask that you pull out the welcome card and drop it in the offering plate when it comes by later on. Um, we, and if you are new with us and you want to know about our church, Brockport Baptist Basics is going to be the class for you. That's coming up on January 28th and February 11th. It's a two-part class, so you're going to want to come to both of those right after service. And there's a sign-up sheet at the Connection Center. Um, the congregational meeting is next Sunday. So please, if you call this your church home, you do not have to be a member. Please come and join us. And lastly, if you brought food to share or not, please stay for our potluck right after service. And Ron has something. All right, if you didn't hear that, grab your poinsettia. <laughs> and with that, I will turn it to Kurt. Will you please join me in the call to worship? Arise, shine, for your light has come. Lift up your eyes and look around. Come. Let us worship the God of light and joy and peace. We come to kneel before the Christ child, the light of God incarnate. We all start the outside the outside looking in this is where grace begins we were hungry we were thirsty with nothing left to give oh the shape that we were in and just when all hope seemed lost Love opened the door for us. He said, come to the table. Come join the sinners who have been redeemed. Take your place beside the Savior. Sit down and be set free. Come to the table Come meet this mighty crew of misfits These liars and these thieves There's no one welcome here And that sin and shame that you brought with you you can leave it at the door and let mercy draw you near so come to the table come join the sinners 
who have been redeemed take your place beside the savior and sit down and be set free come to the table and come to the table to the thief and to the doubter to the hero and the coward to the prisoner and the soldier to the young and to the older all who hunger all who thirst all the last and all the first all the paupers and the princes all who fail you've been forgiven all who dream and all who suffer all who loved and lost another all the chained and all the free all who follow all who lead anyone who's been let down all the lost you have been found all who've been labeled right or wrong to anyone who hears this song come to the table and come join the sinners you have been redeemed take your place beside the savior and sit down and be set free whoa sit down and be set free come to the table and come to the table sit down and be set free come to the table Amen. You may be seated except for the elementary kids who can come on down and join me up front for the children's chat. And we got balloons today, so you're not going to want to miss this one. <clears throat> Let me see here. Oh boy. Zeke's in cowboy mode, I see. How are you doing, buddy? I just realized the logistics of this are going to be tricky. Here, I'll put it here. Can it fly? The balloons, you mean? Or your hat? I think the balloons. Some of them can fly. Some of them, some of them are a little sad. Do you guys like balloons? Do some of you guys, do you guys want balloons? All right. Let's give out some balloons. I'm not going to let you guys pick your color because not everyone will get what they want. Let me tie it on your wrist. So, well, this probably isn't... This probably isn't going to float away, but let me turn on your wrist just in case. Here. She can do that. Let's see. You want this? Someone want this balloon? There you go. Can we tie it on your wrist so it doesn't float away? Well, I don't think it's going to float away. <laughs> there we go. Let's see. Got another orange up in here. Who wants orange? You want? You, oh, you can tie on a wrist? Awesome. Thank you, Pastor Alicia. So helpful. You want it red? You want that one? Can you hold on to it real tight and let your mom tie on your wrist? Here. Give me. This one won't float away, so you'll be good, Zeke. Here, here let me just cut it. Boom. Let me see. It's green. Here you go. 
We got a yellow up in here. That's okay. It's okay. Here. Someone? Someone want this? Here. Can I tie this on your wrist? Okay. Be very careful not to completely let it go. And then Christian, here you go, man. So I can tell you guys like balloons. Can I tie this one to you so it doesn't fly away? I can tell you guys like balloons. What do you guys like about balloons, though? Everything. Is there any specific stuff? They float. That is kind of cool. It's awesome that they float. Anything else you guys like about balloons? What's that? They smack you in the head. That, that is a perk, I guess. Um, I like balloons for kind of a, a weird reason. Balloons can help us tell a Bible story. Did you guys know that? No. Well, it's true. They do. We can use balloons to help us tell a story from the Bible. Um, but I need your guys' help with this. And this is where the handful of you who don't have it tied on your wrist, you're going to have to be very careful. Because I need your guys' help. What I need you to do is I'm going to need you to hold the balloons down at your lap. And then when I say the key word, I'm going to need you to let your balloons go and let them float up. Okay? Just don't lose them. The key word is up, up, and away. Can we try it a couple times? All right, ready? I'm going I'm to say it, and then you release. Ready? Up, up, and away. Very good, very good. Bring them back down. Well, you got to, you got to, and we lost one. I'll get you another one. I'll get you, but I'll get you another one at the end. <laughs> you just pretend. Um, let's try again. Let's try again. Ready? Up, up, and away. Okay, we get the idea. One more, and really try to get those balloons up there. All right, ready? Wait for it. Up, up, and away. Okay, you got the idea, right? You got the idea. Yours doesn't flow. That's okay. That's okay. The cold affected the helium. You ready for the story now, though? Okay. Our Bible story today comes from the book of Acts. How many of us know the book of Acts? That's okay. It's new to some of us. That's awesome. The book of Acts. Do you know, um, you know the Easter story when Jesus came back from the dead? No. Yes. Some yeses, some noes. That's all good. The book of Acts tells us what happened after that, what happened to Jesus and his friends after Easter. All right? So after he came back from the dead, Jesus hung out with his friends for about 40 days. Be careful of the tree. Jesus hung out with his friends for about 40 days. And then he took them up to a mountain be listening for the key word. He took them up to a mountain. He blessed them. He gave his friends a very important job. He told them he wanted them to go into all the world and tell everyone they met about how much he loved them. And then right after he said that, Jesus went up, up, and away. There we go. Perfect. Let's hear it for the kids for helping with the story. But that's the story. Jesus... You'll be able to keep the balloons. Jesus, um, Jesus floated off in the sky. You ever, you ever lose a balloon uh, outside and kind of like that one, it just floats off and off and off and it just goes, do you ever have that happen to you? Until eventually you can't see it? You, you were sad? One of yours is in space, it made all the way to space. I mean, I can tell you get them pretty high up there, Christian. So. Uh, well, someone, some alien will find that and be very happy to be wished a happy birthday. <laughs> But Jesus floated up into heaven just that same way, like a balloon. He went up to, to live with God the Father, which is pretty awesome. And I want you guys to take these balloons home with you, all right? And whenever you see them this week, whenever you see them go up, up, and away, and I know some of them can't quite make it, but when you see them go up, up, and away, I want you to remember Jesus flying off into heaven, and I want you to remember the job he gave his friends. What did he tell his friends to do? 
To what? You got the first word, to go. To tell the people how much he loved them. Jesus told all of his friends, he asked us to go into all the world and tell everyone how much he loves them. Can you guys remember that for me? Can you do that for me? Okay. Let's pray. Can we fold our hands? And Zeke, just hold, just hold the balloon. It'll be good. Let's pray. God, thank you for these kids, and thank you for sending Jesus to show us how much you love us. It's in his name we pray, and everybody said, amen. All right, thanks, kids. You can keep this balloon, okay? Well, that was a whole lot of fun. Thank you, Pastor Dan. Um, We're going to move into our prayer time. If you guys have some prayer requests, please come down. Both of the mics are on and ready so we can be praying with you. Um, We are praying for Linda Coleman's great-nephew, Carson, who has been in strong pediatrics with throat issues this week. Um, And also... uh, we are praying for Karen Pashadli uh, as she went in for shoulder surgery, and so we are asking for prayers for her to heal swiftly. Hello. Hello. Uh, I want to ask prayers for myself, especially for Gretchen. She will be having surgery for shoulder replacement on Thursday. And both of us certainly need prayers. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. A couple of weeks ago, I asked you for prayers for our nephew, Bentley. He had his surgery on January 3rd, and all went well. They believe they got it all, so just prayers for healing for him and patience for his mama, Gina. I'd like prayers for... Um, I lost one of my former students this week. He was what we call the non-traditional. He was older when he started the program. And um, he passed away this week from early onset dementia. He was only 61. His name was Phil, and his wife's name is Lisa. And I would like prayers for our neighbor, Kathy. All right. Thank you, Marilyn. Um, Just an update on my sister, Joanne Mayo. Um, She went in for further studies on... uh, actually the follow-up to her past uh, treatments for cancer, and they did find a cyst on her thyroid, and they now want to do a needle biopsy on it. So my niece has asked for prayers, and she also asked for prayers for herself. Her name is Melissa. I'd like to ask for continued prayers for Betty Lamana. She is home um, and struggling with a bum leg and so on, as well as for Betty Bemis and Gordon. I'm going to try and keep this as brief as I can. 2023 was not my, oh, my name is Hannah. I'm kind of new, so a lot of people may not know me yet. But um, 2023 was not exactly my year. Um, My husband and I are splitting up. Um, My car went down, um, so I had to get a new one. I broke my foot, which is my first broken bone. And the big kicker is that I have found out that I um, have a fibroid, which is a non-cancerous tumor that is huge um, that I need to get operated on. It's the size of a 
what would be a seventh month um, baby in the womb. So it's a very, very major surgery. Sorry if anybody's grossed out, but um, it's a very big surgery and I have that coming up in February. So if you guys could pray for me and for quick healing and recovery, um, I would really appreciate it. So thank you. Yeah, will do, thanks Hannah. I wanna ask for continued prayers for my family. Uh, it's upcoming on one year since Sean passed away and my other brother who went into the hospital in October. He's home now, but he's progressively getting better from um, his kidneys were failing and he had like a mini, like a little stroke. I don't know how big or how small, but just be with my family as we push through these hard moments. Thank you for sharing, Zach. So first of all, I am so thankful for a congregation that prays together. This is a sacred time. I, I'd like prayers for Tim and Don. Tim and Don? Don. Okay. Any other prayer requests? All right. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, we give you thanks for all your gifts to us, for daily food, for health, for each breath we take, for freedom to choose, and for the gifts of your word, your power, and your love. Our hearts are truly overwhelmed when we consider how you have entrusted so much to us. May we be worthy of that trust. May we be a people who are unafraid to live as fully and as richly as you want us to live. Help us, O oh God, as followers of Jesus, to multiply all that you have given us, to risk spreading your word and perhaps see it must understood, to gamble by loving those whom others think worthy only of hate to take chances by doing good to those who have not done good to us. Help us be faith-filled and desire to increase your glory and your goodness in the world. Make us people who share in both word and in deed that which you have given to us. We pray, Lord, for the church gathered to get today, both here and around the world that it may encourage all of its members to discover, develop, and use their gifts, those of nature and those of grace. We pray, Lord, for those who are mourning deeply, that communing with others is hard. We lift up those who are affected by the weather this weekend. We pray for the school community and victims of the latest shooting, Lord. We pray for change, for our actions to be louder than words, for you to inspire us to move toward protecting our children, and for better mental health support, Lord. Today we also pray for those who are poor in body or in spirit, for those oppressed and heavy laden, for those sick or in despair, this morning, specifically, we lift up Linda Coleman's great-nephew, Carson, Karen Pashadley, 
Harry Beaver's son, Bentley and Gina, Lisa and Phil's family and loved ones, Kathy, Joanne, Melissa, Betty Lamana, Betty and Gordon Bemis, Hannah and her upcoming surgery and her family, Zach's family, and we lift up Tim and Don. And Lord, in this moment of silence, we lift up those prayer requests that are on our hearts and in our minds so deeply, but were not spoken this morning. Minister to us by your spirit and to others, to those for whom we have prayed and, we, and help us walk faithfully in the path of our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Will you please join me in the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Um, Alicia talked earlier about next uh, Sunday we're going to have a congregational meeting and if you're a longtime member of our church you'll remember and for those that are new um, January is stewardship month and one of our uh, traditions is that we ask someone who's been in our congregation for a short period of time or for a long period of time come and talk about what stewardship is to them and we're very blessed this week that Luann has agreed to do that. For those of us who have known Luann for a long time, we know her family and, and she have a long tradition and I'm excited to hear what she has to say, no pressure. <laughs> None felt. So here I am back in the front again, just what you all wanted. But I did want to take a few minutes and talk about stewardship. And, you know, I literally grew up in this church. I think I started coming when I was about four. And now that I'm 35, it's been a while. <laughs> we talk sometimes about sacrificial giving, but it has never felt like a sacrifice for me to, to give or for Jim to give and we've always worked toward a tithe, which we finally have been successful in doing, which is just the best thing to be able to do. And I've, I don't find it to be any sacrifice at all. What I find it to be is um, the ability to keep the lights on here, keep the windows fixed, keep the pastors paid, keep the heat on, and to reach out in the community that, in the ways that we've been able to do. When I was younger, most of the people here were part of my family. I have 24 cousins, and they were all mostly here. 
So this really is my family. And I love every one of you the way that I love my own family, sometimes even more. <laughs> so please, when we think about stewardship, and I also wanted to say that I have served in every capacity here from moderator to custodial person. So I know this church pretty well. And we're going to need some work done. Just say it. So don't think of your giving as a sacrifice. Think of it as a privilege to make sure that maybe you can reach out to someone the way everyone has always reached out for us. Thanks, Lou. Now is the time in our service when we respond to God's grace with the giving of our tithes and offerings. In just a moment, the ushers will be passing the plates. If you brought a physical offering with you today, please drop it in there, and if you prefer to give online, you can do so on our website. I do also want to point out, um, if this catches you unaware, again, if, you, if you're new, then no worries at all, but it is our tradition that during Communion Sunday, we take a communion offering, and, and the one this month is special to us. It's Helping Hands, and for those of you that don't know, Helping Hands is a pool of money that our pastors can use for people as they walk in off the street, and it happens a surprising amount of time. I admit I didn't know how much it happened until the moderator role, and it is truly a blessing for our congregation to be able to help people with, it's things like filling up their gas tank, paying for rent, paying for food, paying for heat and, and uh, electricity. So um, if, if you are ready, uh, that, that is what the month's communion offering is. Um, so let's, uh, I always forget, am I praying now? Okay, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> Lord God in heaven, you bless us so. You bless us with love, you bless us with friendship, you bless us with each other, you bless us with family. And you bless us, Lord, with time, and you bless us with gifts. And we use that time to make our livings, or we made our livings. And there's nothing that we can possibly give you in return, but we offer this, God, this bit of the time and the gifts that you've given us, and we ask you, Lord, to use it for your purposes, to spread love, to spread healing, to spread peace, and to spread your grace in a world that sorely needs it. Please, God, may it be so. Amen.
this week we begin our journey in Acts, knowing Dan, he's been thinking about this for the last four or five months. Um, the scripture reading today is at the beginning of Acts, and I'm, I was reminded again when I was reading it in preparation for this that it, it is a letter. In the first book, Theophilus, I wrote about all Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up towards heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And thank you, Kurt, for that reading. So good morning again, everyone. I'm, I'm Pastor Dan, if you didn't get that from the children's chat. Um, any more balloons make it up in the... Just, just one. I was warned right before church, like, don't let any balloons go up there because they get stuck in the fans. So, apologies for that. Uh, but also, happy New Year, everybody. Uh, I was on vacation last weekend, so I do want to give a big thank you and a shout out to everyone uh, who was part of our songs, psalms, and sharing service last week. Uh, it was uh, a beautiful service uh, to the folks who who planned it, who led us in worship, who shared readings. Uh, thank you all for uh, such, a, such a wonderful time together. It is a new year, and as Kurt pointed out, we're starting a brand new teaching series today on the book of Acts, uh, and we're going to be taking our time with this one. We're going to be in Acts uh, for the next several months at least. And uh, whenever we start a new series, whenever we open up a new book of the Bible here together, I always like to start with a little background so that we have some sense of what we're reading. So let's get into it. Uh, no no uh, reason to waste time. Let's get into a quick and dirty overview of the book of Acts. Um, Acts, or Acts of the Apostles, as it's traditionally called, tells the story of the early church, the very first Christian community led by Jesus' disciples. Their story is the book of Acts. It's a sequel to the Gospel of Luke, uh, there's broad consensus among scholars that Luke and Acts were written by the same person um, as like a two-volume work. Luke is part one, Acts is part two. Uh, the books have a lot of the same language, a lot of overlapping themes. They echo each other back and forth. 
So um, if you've ever read the Gospel of Luke and wondered, what happens next? Acts answers that question, okay? That's, that's the book of Acts. Uh, it tells us what the disciples did after Jesus went up, up, and away. The book of Acts was written anonymously. Um, the author never identifies themselves, but it is a tra- traditionally attributed to a guy named Luke, the same guy we attribute the Gospel of Luke to, another anonymous book. Uh, we actually meet Luke in the book of Acts. He is a doctor who travels around with the Apostle Paul. Some stuff to know about Luke, uh, he never actually met Jesus. Uh, Luke was not one of the 12 disciples. He joins the movement much later and becomes part of the early church. And Luke was also an outsider. Luke was a Gentile, which is a fancy word for not Jewish. Um, In fact, as far as we know, Luke is the only non-Jewish author in the entire Bible. All the other books of the Bible were written by Jewish folks. So Luke comes into the Jesus movement as a cultural and religious outsider, which might be why a huge theme of his two books is the inclusion of outsiders. In the Gospel of Luke, we always see Jesus hanging out with people he's not supposed to hang out with, Um, prostitutes, tax collectors, people with tattoos, probably. Jesus is always hanging out with the people he's not supposed to associate with, and it drives the religious people nuts. And we see that theme continue in the book of Acts. The disciples start out thinking that the church belongs to them. This is our thing, our movement. And then the Holy Spirit moves the boundary, and it's like, oh, well, I I guess these people are, are part of it, too. Okay, so this, this is the new boundary. This is God's people now. And then the Holy Spirit moves again, and the boundaries expand over and over and over again. It goes until the good news about Jesus goes in all the earth. That's the story of Acts. We following along so far? Good. Awesome. Uh, another piece of background, the book of Acts is addressed to a guy named Theophilus, and we don't really know who that is. Uh, It could be Luke's patron, the guy who who hired him to write the book. That's possible. It could also be a code name. Theophilus literally means lover of God, so that would apply to a lot of people. Another theory I like is that we are Theophilus, that this is Luke's way of addressing all the readers of his book, both the people He wrote the book, too, originally 2,000 years ago, and all the generations of readers who followed since. In which case, hello, Theophilus. I'm Dan. (laughs) That's stupid. I'm sorry. Um, Last piece of background. This part's really important. Last piece of background, then we're going to get into it. Um, While it's always tricky to date books of the Bible, we are pretty sure the book of Acts was written somewhere between 70 and 100 CE, the last three decades of the first century. It's not going to be a quiz or anything, but this is important because it gives us some clues as to why this book was written, the purpose of Acts. Think about what would have been going on in the church, this early Christian community, between 70 and 100 CE. Jesus was on the ground doing his thing around the year 30, right? So we are now 40 to 70 years after the time of Jesus, which means that that first generation 
of his disciples, the people who walked with Jesus, talked to Jesus, the ones who were in the room where it happened, they're not in the room anymore. They're gone. Peggy, do you have a question? What's your question? Yeah. Oh, uh, like A.D., A.D., C.E., yeah, common era, Christian era, sorry, sorry, yeah, that that could be confusing, 70 to 100 C.E. But all those disciples who were there with Jesus on the ground, they're gone. They're not in the picture anymore. There might have been a few people left, like if you were around 20 years old following Jesus back in the day, you'd be somewhere between 60 and 90 by now. So there might have been a few people who remembered. But figures like Peter, Paul, James, these heroes of the early church that we're going to read all about in Acts, they're all dead and buried by the time this book is written. They're not there anymore. Imagine being a Christian in that time period. Imagine being part of a new generation of the church trying to figure out what it looks like to be Christian. Maybe you're part of a house church that meets in secret somewhere in Rome to like avoid the authorities. Maybe you're a leader who's trying to teach the faith to other people, people like you who never met Jesus in the flesh. Imagine trying to do church when all the pillars of the church, the leaders that you learned from and looked up to, are gone. What do you do? What do you say? How do we engage the world faithfully as followers of Jesus who never actually met Jesus? How do we share the good news to a world that doesn't buy it? A world full of hostility and violence. What does it look like to engage the world as a Christian in this time and place? It's a lot of the same questions we're still asking today. I said that the book of Acts tells the story of the early church. It's the origin story of the church, really. And why do we tell origin stories? Why do we return over and over again to the stories of our past? Why does every superhero movie ever made start by showing us how our hero got their powers? It's because origin stories remind us where we've been so that we can figure out where we need to go. The past gives us direction for the present and the future. I think about Abraham Lincoln right, in the Gettysburg Address. I don't think any of us remember that one, but, but I think of Abraham Lincoln and what it would have been like speaking to a country that nearly tore itself apart and how he hearkens back to the founding of our country, right? Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation conceived in liberty, which I only have memorized from watching Kindergarten Cop. I think of Martin Luther King Jr., right? The March on Washington, standing on the steps of the Lincoln Monument, hearkening back to that same exact speech and the founding of our country as a place where all men, all people are created equally. 
In a few weeks, we're going to have Brockport Baptist Basics, our class for new folks, people looking to join the church, get baptized. And in that class, we're going to talk about Roger Williams, the founder of the first Baptist church in America, literally, like the, the actual first one. And we're going to talk about those very first Baptists and how they had this vision of a church led by the people where everyone in fellowship with each other was free to hold to their convictions and read and interpret the Bible for themselves and how that still shapes us today. We tell origin stories because they help us discern what it looks like to live faithfully right here and right now. That is the why of this book. That's why the book of Acts was written and it's why we're still reading it today. We keeping up with all this? Good. I know this is a lot of info. With all that out of the way, though, let's reread the passage, see if it hits any differently, and then we'll talk more about it. All right? Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. In the first book, Theophilus, lovers of God, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait there for the promise of the Father. This, he said, is what you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. When he had said this, as they were watching, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way you saw him go into heaven." the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I think this story has a lot to say to us. Like where to start, right? We could talk about the Holy Spirit, evangelism, the kingdom of God. It mentions baptism. We could talk about the return of Jesus, his ascension, all these proofs he was showing the disciples. But what's most pressing? What does this story have to say to us today as followers of Jesus in 2024. It's a new year. It's also an election year, and I know how you people get during election years. I know how I get during election years. It's, it's stressful, you guys. This is going to be a rough 12 months or so. Um, back in 2016, The American Psychological Association identified a new mental health disorder called election stress disorder. This is real, you guys. Um, It's a state of anxiety brought on by the fear and rhetoric surrounding presidential elections. It is a certified recognized disorder. 
Uh, this is how Dr. Robert Bright, who's a psychiatrist at the Mayo Clinic, describes election stress disorder. We'll get the quote on the, on the slide. We notice it in our bodies, the tension in our shoulders. Sometimes people get gastrointestinal upset or headaches. People have trouble sleeping, tossing, turning, worrying, and not being able to get to sleep or having bad dreams about the election. There's a lot of fearfulness and a number of mixed emotions. People with fear and hypervigilance constantly searching the news and being on whatever social media outlet you have and getting these messages. I was watching the television this morning and every commercial has this ca catastrophic message. If you vote for this guy or that guy, horrific catastrophic things are going to happen. And that constant message creates a sense of anxiety and fear. We start getting irritable and short and snapping at people not trusting people, seeing people as the other or the same, starts affecting our relationships at home, it starts affecting our work. How many of us read that and you're like, that's me, <laughs> I feel seen, right? Election stress disorder, it's, le it's a legit thing. Uh, according to a poll from a few years ago, 68% of American adults reported that the 2020 election was a significant source of stress in their lives. 68% of adults, that's more than two-thirds, you guys. And the numbers cut across political lines. Left, right, independent, highly engaged voters, lowly engaged voters, red states, blue states, more than two-thirds report this cause of stress. A lot of people are worried that we are gonna see increased political violence over the next year. More and more of our neighbors kind of drifting to extreme positions and extreme actions. What does it look like to live faithfully and to engage the world as followers of Jesus in 2024? How do we make sure that we don't lose our way in the midst of all this chaos? We can start with our origin story, the book of Acts. Already in the opening lines of this book, I see echoes of questions we are still wrestling with. Jesus comes back from the dead, he spends 40 days with the disciples, and after all that, they're like, are you gonna restore the kingdom of Israel now? Now that you've defeated death and conquered sin, can we get on with the important part of, of fighting the Romans? They're still playing the political power game. This guy conquered death, but the disciples are looking for, them, for, for him to beat up their enemies and give them the victory. It's infuriating. And it's the exact same thing we still see from many Christians today. We still want a God who's going to beat up our enemies and give us the win. A God who's going to put us in power help our guy get elected, help us win the culture war, as if the goal of Christianity is amassing worldly power. That's not what Jesus was about 2,000 years ago. That's not what he's about today. Of course, this isn't the only extreme we see in the church. The culture warrior mindset, that's, that's one of the extreme positions. As popular as that is, there's another way, another, another bad way <laughs> 
A lot of Christians go about engaging the culture, and it takes the form of an aloof detachment from the culture, a sort of isolation into a little bubble, treating the world as if it doesn't really matter. With all the division, all the tribes and the hateful rhetoric, a lot of Christians choose to just disengage retreat, turn it all off, ignore all the violence and turmoil, set our sights on heavenly things? Why talk about justice and politics? Why try to make the world a better place? I'm not worried about the world. I'm thinking about heaven. Look at it up there. Isn't it beautiful? Won't it be nice to live up there someday? You got one chunk of the church trying to conquer the world, dominate the world, the other chunk acting as if the world isn't there, doesn't concern them. Looking up in the sky, waiting for Jesus to come back, head in the clouds. Where have we seen that before? It's right here in our origin story. Men of Galilee, Why do you stand looking up at heaven? You're not going to find Jesus up there. He is gone. When he comes back, we're all going to know. In the meantime, though, we've got work to do. Jesus counters these two extremes with an alternative, a third way to engage culture. We don't have to choose between fighting a culture war and a sort of aloof, head-in-the-clouds detachment, Jesus points us to a third way, and that's witness. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus calls us to bear witness, to share the good news about what he has done in our lives, what God is doing in our community, to take that good news through the power of the Holy Spirit out to a world that desperately needs to hear it. When we take a stand for justice as Christians, it's not left or right, it's gospel. When we serve a hot meal to someone in need, it's not with an agenda, it's in faithfulness. When we put the message on our church sign that all are welcome, all belong here, it's not because we're woke. It's because we follow Jesus and Jesus welcomed everyone. When the stress of 2024 kicks in and it's going to kick in, it's going to be really tempting to gravitate toward one of those two extremes. You're going to want to disengage, retreat, and shut it all off. Or if you're wired slightly differently, you're going to want to choose a side and start throwing punches. That's not what faithful witness looks like. We have to reflect the love and grace we received in Christ. When we encounter hate and violence, we have to respond with love. When the echo chambers of our culture start blaring out their lies, We have to center ourselves on Christ. 
The book of Acts can help us with that. That's why this book was written. Dear Theophilus, fellow lovers of God, my invitation to all of us in this new year and beyond is to ground yourself in this story. Let this story form you, shape you, challenge and change you into the person God is calling you to be. And may the book of Acts guide and shape our church in this new year as well as we strive to be faithful witnesses of Jesus. That's my prayer for 2024. Amen. So my microphone just died, <laughs> so we're going to have to share this. Um, before we go into communion, though, I want to invite Pastor Alicia uh, to come up and join me. It is a new year, and we're talking a lot about new beginnings. Um, and we have a new beginning in Alicia's life to celebrate, but it's also going to bring uh, her chapter with us to a close. Elisha has been called and she's accepted the call to serve as the full-time assistant pastor at First Baptist Church of Rochester, one of our sister churches. Um, this is a huge step for you. I am really sad to lose you and to see you go as both uh, a co-laborer in Christ and a friend. Um, but I'm really excited for this next chapter of your life and I can't wait to see uh, what God has in store for you over these next many years and, and months of doing what will be amazing ministry. Um, I invited Elisha to come up and lead us in communion. You good with that? Okay. All right. Uh, I'd like to have her lead us in communion. Turn it over. You Okay. We'll do it normal. We'll do it normal. You do not have to be a member here at Brockport First Baptist or at any church uh, to share in communion with us. Our table is open to everyone. Uh, in just a moment, I'm going to say the words of institution over the elements, and then we will share them together. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of your son and his sacrifice for us, and we ask that you would... Uh, Help us to take these elements in memory of him. Thank you, God, for loving us and for blessing us. It's in his name we pray. Amen. 
I'm also very sorry I have to interrupt and say something I missed. We're going to have a chance to properly honor and celebrate Elisha next Sunday at church. Um, so, but we wanted to announce this now so people have a heads up. That being said, the scriptures tell us that on the night he was betrayed, Jesus took a loaf of bread. And after he'd given thanks, he broke it, saying, this is my body given for you. Whenever you eat it, do so in remembrance of me. body of Christ, take and eat. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins.
take and drink. It's also the custom here at our church that um, every time we take communion together, we read our church covenant and we sing the Lord's Prayer. So I'd like to invite all who are able to please stand for the reading of our covenant, which will be on the screens. Believing that God Please receive this blessing. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you, wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness and protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen. <laughs>